Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who's come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, Can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What's born of the flesh is flesh, and what's born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I say to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things, and you don't believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one's ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, and whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You are working on a project or a paper or a report or a spreadsheet or whatever it is you work on, typing away, and you get into one of those grooves where the ideas come fast and quick. You get into what they call the flow, and soon time is just flying by. You are making connections and points and transitions and things are clicking in the mind, in your mind and you've been waiting for them to click for weeks and finally it starts to all come together. It's something you're proud of. You stand up to stretch, to arch your back, to take a break and as you return to your computer you see that the screen is black but it's not like sleeping black. It's like off black, and you know it, but you hit the space bar anyway, just in case, and then you have a moment of panic, and you realize that whatever malfunction has just happened with your computer is devastating because you never hit save. You have to start all over, and starting over is the worst or you're working on a project, you're nearing completion, you're finally getting done, and then you just go back to check something and you find an email that you didn't see earlier, that you're not sure how you missed it, but it says something like, just to be perfectly clear so you don't screw this up, your project should be about Karl Marx, not Groucho. And now you have this entire project about Karl Marx that's entirely irrelevant. 
and you have to start all over. Or more seriously, a relationship that defined you begins to crack. Or a marriage disintegrates. A relationship that could have become marriage all of a sudden is nothing. And you have to start all over. Or an illness becomes the most obvious thing about you and all of a sudden every conversation you have is about cancer or how you're going to move on. And you have to start all over and figure out a new way to exist in the world. Starting over is terrifying because when you are starting over, it is impossible to imagine that life will ever feel normal again. Starting over can be a terrifying prospect. Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the dark, and John tells us that he is a Pharisee and a leader of the people. Nicodemus is a Pharisee, which means he has the equivalent of a PhD in theology. He knows the scriptures from the beginning to the end, backwards and forwards. And he's ascended to the point in leadership where he yields he wields some political influence. But John doesn't tell us he's a Pharisee as some great compliment. It provides context, but titles in the gospel are not accolades. Most often we are told them as warnings. Titles are stumbling blocks in the gospels, and the more impressive your title, the likelier you are to be an enemy of Jesus. It's not always the case, but it's pretty consistent. What a warning for us. For us who delight in the length of our titles and spend a lot of time and energy trying to make it up to the next title. We relish adding letters to the end of our names. Nicodemus is a Pharisee, but his title is a warning, not an accolade. This is a warning to the reverends and to the chiefs and to the partners who can easily think that titles are God's clap on the back. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. So that means that he deals in religion and truth, laws and forgiveness. People come up to him for answers. They ask him what God is like and how they ought to live. He's responsible for interpreting to them the Jewish scriptures, telling them what Moses would have thought about situations he teaches in the synagogues about how God appeared to Abraham and to Moses, and he longs to see God himself. Some days he teaches with confidence, and other days he delegates to eager students. He speaks to the Jews living under Roman oppression about hope, and he holds out hope himself that the God who promised to save Israel will yet send someone. Nicodemus waits for Jesus in the dark. And when he gets his chance, he says, Teacher, we know you're from God, because no one can do what you're doing apart from God. Nicodemus has seen enough frauds. Nicodemus knows enough to recognize the real thing when he sees it. And he's earnest enough about his religion. He's honest enough to find Jesus at night and ask for himself whether Jesus has the answers that he doesn't. Nicodemus knows in the words of Karl Barth, truth is not all of our talk about God. 
Truth is what God does and what God will do and what God has done. The Pharisees specialize in talking about God. Jesus seems to be what God is doing, and Nicodemus knows the difference. Jesus responds to Nicodemus. No one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Okay. How can you be born again? How can you enter into the mother's womb twice, Nicodemus asks. And we're, I'm glad he does, because it definitely isn't clear what Jesus is saying. Unfortunately, for better or worse, Jesus doesn't really tidy things up for us as he goes on to talk about flesh and spirit and wind and how, yeah, you have to be born of water and of spirit and the wind blows wherever it wants. It doesn't clarify for me what it means to be born another time exactly. He doesn't make this simple. I think we want this to be simple. John 3 is a chapter that often gets quoted as if it's really straightforward what Jesus is saying, but I think if we're honest, I I mean, I'm glad Nicodemus asks the follow-up question, but it doesn't really clarify exactly what Jesus means by you have to be born again. You have to start over by being born through the Spirit. Maybe it means... I, I, I think this is like the Sunday school answer. Maybe to be born again means to see the signs and the evidence of Jesus and to believe in him. It seems like that's, you know, are you born again? Have you seen the signs and evidence of Jesus? And Have you believed in him? Yeah, that seems right. Except, except at the end of chapter 2, right before this passage, John writes, many believed in his name because they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and he needed no one to testify about anyone for he himself knew what was in everyone. Many believed in his name and saw the sign when they saw the signs and They believed in his name. Nicodemus is one of these people who has seen the signs and has believed. Believed at least that Jesus was the real deal. That at least you can't do that without God. But to see the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, something else is required. He has to be born another time. Birthed again. Jesus doesn't tell Nicodemus to get his ideas straight or to rethink his approach to the prophets or to follow the law more closely or to rebuild the scaffolding of the thoughts that allow him to sleep at night. Now, mind you, all of those things will be impacted as a result of being born again. His ideas, his approach to the prophets, how he follows the law, all of that's going to be brought into question by Jesus and by being born again. But seeing the kingdom requires something else. He says it's like being born another time, being birthed into a new family, birthed from above. It's not something you can do on your own. He's got to enter into the womb of God and to allow God to give him a second birth. To be birthed by the Spirit is to be given life as the child of God. Nicodemus is going to have to start over. He has been working with a a certain set of instructions, working on a certain kind of assignment. And Jesus tells him that, hey, 
What you've been building is fine and all, but not to worry about it because God's done a new thing in sending his son into the world, not to condemn it, but to save it. A thing so backwards that it's going to look like you've spent your entire life on a project about Karl Marx when it was really supposed to be about Groucho. It's going to look like you've spent your entire life in search of longer titles with more prestige when titles are in fact stumbling blocks and blessed are the poor anyways. You're going to grow up and mature and get all of your ideas locked in and find that truth is in the mouth of a child with cotton candy stuck at the corners. Oh, Nicodemus, I wish I could tell you how to be born again. I wish I could tell you all how to be born again. And if if I thought I could, I, I would. If I could write it down and put it into a tract, I'd be on the corner passing them out again because to be born again is to see the kingdom of God. But I... I don't know how to boil it down to a bullet point. This passage in John gets reduced so often. John 3.16, of course, this idea of being born again. Verses get thrown around like everything is so simple. I heard the story told by N.T. Wright this week uh, about uh, John Stott at a conference one time. John Stott was an Anglican priest and he was asked, you know, to, to, to summarize the gospel, to give the most basic, minimalist version of it. You know, what, what, what's the bullet point? Reduce it. What's the, what's the most minimal f- version of the gospel that people need to know? And he said something to the effect of, you know, why would you ever want the most basic gospel? Don't ever give me the minimalist gospel. I want the entire thing. I think John 3 offers us the entire thing. John 3 offers us some verses that work well on, you know, memes or on posters. But the longer I spend with it, the less I'm sure of, the more wondering I do. And I can't imagine that Nicodemus walks home in the dark thinking, oh, that was straightforward. I've really got it now. Here's what I know about being born again. First thing I know is that it's always the work of the Spirit. It's always from above, from God. And the other thing I know is that it happens more than once. Every week we come to this table and we say, That everything old has passed away, and see, all things have been made new. All this comes from God, who reconciled us to himself and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. When we come to this table, we are asking God to birth us again, to give us new life. You don't do it once, you do it every week. You come back, and you keep coming back to this table where you say, I need to start over. I need to be born from above because... Another relationship has failed. Another plan has fallen apart. Another job didn't turn out because the cancer is back. And I need to shake off the spirit of fear and remember the spirit of adoption that is mine in Christ. I need to be born again by the spirit of Jesus Christ, the victor in whose light the shadow of death disappears. And at this table, through God's spirit, God births us again and calls us sister and brother. God, our parent, says, child, 
promise I have good things for you. Once the crowds have gone home, the crosses are the only thing left on Golgotha. Except there are two men there at the end, John tells us. Joseph of Arimathea, and the other is Nicodemus. They take the body down from the cross, and Nicodemus has brought with him 75 pounds of spices and balms for the body, so that he can give Christ's body the burial of a king. I suspect that it is career suicide for Nicodemus. He shows up in the light of day and makes himself unclean by dealing with a dead body. He brings a noticeable amount of spices and he honors the body and the life of a man that his colleagues have just had assassinated. The disciples won't even show their face. But Nicodemus makes it no secret. He comes in the light of day because he is convinced. Truth is not all our talk about God. Truth is what God does and what God will do and what God has done. And Nicodemus realizes that the cross is what God has done. And what can you do? Let's start over. Seeing the kingdom of God through the cross of Christ. And so Nicodemus counts the cost and decides that it is worth it to start over, to take a chance on this man that he met years before who told him about being born again. And maybe what Nicodemus does that day is to experience new life. To see the kingdom of God this week, to be a participant in the reality of God's work all around us. May we be born again by starting over. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.